Father, we thank you for that gift that you gave to us, your son, born on earth to live for, to display your love, to, to save us, to bring peace between man and God. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you and gather for worship this morning. I, I want to make uh, just a reminder um, as I begin. The Renee and our kids ministry leaders, they provide these fantastic um, color pencils and clipboards with a sermon gui guide specifically made for kids. Um, and you can find these in the back of the sanctuary around the corner. Um, and if this, the, the design is actually, these are not designed to distract and entertain your kids, but these are actually designed to engage your kids into what we're doing in our worship service. So if this is helpful for you kids, you are welcome at any point to get up and, and go back and grab one of these, um, or for the kid at heart who needs a little help um, being brought in and engaged uh, in the message, I encourage you to to utilize these. So I, I want to begin just by asking you two questions to consider, and, and that is this. Um, first of all, how do you handle waiting? How do you handle waiting? I don't know if you've had any um, experience with that recently, waiting for something that you're looking forward to, but how do you handle waiting? And the other question is this, how do you deal with difficult? So have you ever wished in the midst of the waiting or in the midst of the difficult that you could just fast forward right through all that and get to the quote unquote good part? Just, just fast forward through the, the, diff, the, the, the waiting that's not fun, the, the difficult part that's um, painful and just get to the good part. You know, that, that may be how you feel when you're, you're approaching a midterm exam. Uh, teenagers, to bring you back a week or two, or a week or two you're, you're approaching your midterm exams, you're studying and you're just sick of studying, you're tired of it, and you just want to fast forward and get to the test or get past the test. Or perhaps you're an adult and you have a job interview and you, you just want to, you're, you're nervous about it and you just want to get to it and get through it. You just want to fast forward through that. Or it's an important presentation that you have to give and you get really nervous when you have to give these presentations and you just want to fast forward to get through it and past it. Or a difficult conversation or, or Christmas I don't know if anybody in this room had any conversation, something like, I, I just, I want it to be Christmas. I'm tired of waiting. I wish we could just fast forward through the waiting days and get to Christmas. Or maybe some adults, they're, they're actually, their fast forward is to get through Christmas and on the other side of it. We, we come to these, these, this time of waiting or this time of difficulty, and we're prone to want to just fast forward through that, as if to say there's nothing good or there's nothing beneficial for me in this waiting or in this difficult. I just want to skip to the good part. I'm learning slowly as a 43-year-old and, and a very optimistic person, uh, actually, yet I'm learning that 
a lot of life is the waiting and the difficult. So an important question for me, for us to wrestle with is this, what can we learn about the heart of God for his people in our moments or our seasons of the waiting and the difficult? Jeremiah, the prophet, he sent a letter to the exiles from Jerusalem who had been deported to Babylon. They were living then, as they had been deported, they were living amidst a foreign people in a foreign land with foreign customs and foreign religions. They felt foreign in every sense of the word. They just wanted to get out of there. They just wanted to go back to the way it had been, back to living only with their people in their setting in Jerusalem. They wanted to get back to that. But they were waiting waiting for this nightmare to end or for this punishment to be over or for this difficult season to pass. They were waiting, wishing they could fast forward through it all. And God gives them this message through the prophet Jeremiah that we'll look at in uh, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. So if you'll turn there with me, and, and kids, this is a great time to find a Bible and actually practice what you learned, you know, K through third grade, many of you, and learn how to find where Jeremiah 29 is. So find Jeremiah 29, and we'll read um, some of this letter that is from Jeremiah to those who have been deported from Jerusalem and, and carried off to Babylon. And he writes this letter to them. Verse 4 says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. It, the, the, what these false prophets have been saying, they, they were coming and saying, the Lord is going to come back and save you right away. Don't worry. He's coming right away. How often do you hear that in scripture? Do you think maybe that was a false message? He's coming right away. So anyway, that was the false message the prophets were giving. But Jeremiah is, is calling that out. He's saying they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good purpose to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
This is God's authoritative, inspired, infallible word. And it's such a comfort to have this word that we can lean on. So when we read these words, to be clear, this is not the equivalent of a letter from God to the people of Tippecanoe County in 2021. It's a letter to Jewish captives in Babylon around the year 597 B.C., Yet, because God is an unchanging God, because this is his authoritative, inspired, infallible word, we can learn about his heart in this letter and consider how his character and the principles in his instructions can apply to us today in 2021 here in Lafayette, West Lafayette community. So let's walk through this passage and see what we can learn from what we just read. I want to point out to you four things, one principle and three commitments for us to consider as we cross into the new year of 2022. The first principle that I want to point out is this, God is involved. God is involved in our lives. He's involved in this world. God is involved. Look at what uh, verse 4 says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. Wait. All those I carried into exile. So this horrible thing that happened, these um, ungodly people, they, they come in and they destroy um, the, the lives that the people in Jerusalem are experiencing, and they carry them out of their home, and they bring them into exile into their own land of the Babylonians. And, and God says, I carried you into exile. In verse 7, it says the same thing again, um, the says, I have carried you into exile. So this is difficult for us to sort out. How can it be that God is involved in this terrible thing? Did he cause it or did he allow it? Is this punishment or is this somehow natural consequences? Amidst the confusion and the mystery, here's what is clear. God's hand is involved. So that tells me that the circumstances, however terrible they are, however undesired they are, the circumstances are not spinning out of God's control. God is involved. So we can choose in that. He is involved. I can choose to complain about that, to curse him for that, or to comply with that. So how are you responding? In the midst of when you fail a test, do you complain about his involvement, curse him for his involvement, or comply somehow with his involvement? When things aren't going well in your job, or when you have an illness that you experience or a loved one experiences, how are you responding? Are you complaining about his involvement, cursing him for his involvement, or complying with his involvement. Isaiah tells us two things about God's involvement, among other things. Um, but let me read for you these two. 
In Isaiah 41, chapter, or chapter 41, verse 10, we read this. So do not fear, for I am with you, says the Lord. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So do not fear, for I am with you. One of the things we know from Scripture about God's involvement is that he is with us. His involvement means his presence. He's with us. Another thing that Isaiah teaches us about God's involvement is this from chapter, just the chapter before in chapter 40, verses 21 through 24. God says to his people, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the very beginning? Have you not understood it since the earth was founded? He, that is God, sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads, out the, spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Scripture teaches us that that part of God's involvement is that, that it's, the world is in his control. He is, he is hovering over. The, the world is not too large for him to manage. It is not spinning out of his control. So his involvement means he is present with us and it's not spinning out of his control. If that is true, if it's true that he's present with me in the midst of difficulty and the world is not spinning out of control in the midst of my very painful circumstances, then, then I don't need to panic. Panic is when, when I am... Um, uh, controlled by my fear or anxiety. I'm blinded by my fear or anxiety, and that propels me into a certain motion. And God's presence and God's control says there's never a reason to panic. He will always equip us in his involvement. He will equip us and call us to one next step. So we, we follow in that one next step. We realize that God is involved. It may not be the step we wanted. It may not be a step that feels good, but God is involved and we can trust him. So what are you doing with your difficult circumstances or the difficult waiting that you're experiencing right now? Here's, here's my experience. When I think about um, the times that I have either complained to the Lord or cursed the Lord for his involvement or my perceived lack of his involvement, um, that has never made my circumstances any better. Never. So if I think about the placing faith in God, complying with his involvement, that is to, to willingly accept that he is involved and to seek how am I supposed to interact with this reality that his, is, is his involvement? How do I place faith in him? That's a Hebrews 11.1 one kind of faith that says faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So placing that kind of faith in God in the midst of difficult circumstances, it it changes my heart and my mind every time. 
So that's not to say um, I'm smiling through the process, or it doesn't mean that the process is painless. Complying with, willingly placing my faith and trust in God's involvement in a given difficult circumstance, it changes my heart and my mind every time. It, it reframes the way that I see and understand my circumstances. So I think of it this way. When I place my trust in God's involvement, I see my circumstances through the frame of, of his plan and his desire. And I see my circumstances and understand them within that frame of his plan and desire. Rather than trying to see and understand my circumstances in the frame of my own desire. Because God's plan and desire is that, that I would know him and make him known. My plan and desire is my comfort and my success. So how, how do those plans or desires, how do those different frames help us see and understand our circumstances? If I take my circumstances, whether it's trouble in work or broken relationships or an illness in the family, I take these painful circumstances and I see and understand them in the frame of God's plan and desire for me, which is for me to know him more and make him known. And, and I see how can I understand these circumstances and there, how can they participate in a way that will help me know Christ and make him known. And though it's painful, it begins to be clear and it makes sense how God can use these circumstances to help me come to know him better and to make him known. Compare that with if I insist on taking my circumstances and seeing them in the frame of my own plan or desire, which is my comfort and my success, if I look at my circumstances, that is difficult job situation or broken relationships or, or illness in the family, if I try to understand and see those circumstances in the frame of my plan and desire, which is for my comfort and success, then, then it's a mess. That the picture of my circumstances does not fit in that frame. It's not right. It is, it's a mess. So if that's the frame that I'm looking to see and understand things through, then it all feels like a mess. If I would put my trust in God's involvement and begin to see things through his plan and desire, it begins to line up and make sense. My, my desires of my heart begin to align with the desires of his heart. It's not all, always what I wanted initially. It doesn't feel good all the time, but it, it feels right. It feels like God is leading and God is involved in this process. Proverbs 19.21 says this challenging thing, something like this. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. God is involved. As we humbly place trust in God's involvement, he will gently align our desires with his plans that you might know him and enjoy him and make him known. I hope that you'll recognize and even embrace God's involvement amidst your waiting or your difficulty as you turn into this new year. The second thing uh, that I want to point out, and these next three are a little quicker, 
the, the second thing that I want to point out, a way that, that God is um, calling us is, is this. He says, um, live out your calling. That's my paraphrase for it. But in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 29, this is what Jeremiah is writing to the people. He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters and find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. So, so he's saying to them, cultivate the earth and be fruitful and multiply, right? Keep doing what actually I've been calling you to do since the very beginning, the Genesis beginning. Be fruitful and multiply. In the midst of the difficulty that you're going through, God's calling them to be fruitful and multiply. Do the thing that I've been calling you to do. What are some of the things that God has been calling us to do that we see in Scripture that God's calling us to do all along? In Micah 6.8, we read, we're reminded that he's calling us to, to act justly, to, do, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. In Matthew 22, we know that God tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Romans 12 reminds us to, um, let me read a little bit of it. In verse 9, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. John 15 says, abide in me, stay connected to Jesus. This is what he's calling us to do all the time, even in the midst of the waiting and the difficulty how is God calling you to live in the midst of that? Consider that question as we step into the new year. How is he calling us to live even in the midst of the wait, in the midst of the difficult? Third thing I want to point out is this challenge to impact our city. Verse 7, we read this. Jeremiah says, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. So seek the good of the city where you have been placed. Pray for it. Romans 12, 21 says this, says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We see evil in the community around us. And one of the ways that we overcome that evil with good is through prayer. Prayer is some of the good that we can do to overcome the evil. So pray for our city. That's one of the ways that we can impact our city. 1 Timothy 2, 1, this is familiar to us where we're instructed. Uh, Timothy says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Pray for our community. That's one of the ways that we can impact our city. You know, other examples I think of, of ways that we can impact our city, even in the midst of our waiting or our difficulty, is, is get on. You know, we've seen the importance that school boards play in this past year. School boards have some significant influence on, um, on, on issues, on policies, on curriculum in our community. Those are big deals. And wouldn't it be beautiful to have followers of Jesus getting into and being active on our school boards? 
boards, on our city councils, on nonprofit boards in the community, on homeowners associations, active in CASA and foster care, adoption, serving with Murdoch Elementary School. Could it be that even in this season of waiting and difficulty, God is calling you to impact our city in some very specific ways? So the final thing, the fourth thing that I want to point out in this letter is in verse 11, where Jeremiah writes this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I look at this, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Do you trust that God has your best in mind? Do you trust that the living God has your best in mind? The God who is involved, do you trust that he has your best in mind? Because that's the testimony of scripture, that he does have your best in mind. Verse 12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. When you pray, God listens. In verse 13, he says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Oh, through verse 13, sorry. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When we seek him, we'll find him. And that's seek him, not, not half-heartedly, but seek him sincerely. When we do, we will find him. In the midst of difficulty, the living God invites his people to seek him. And he promises that as we do so, we will find him. How might God be instructing us through these words, to step into the waiting and the difficulty that this next year holds. How does he want us to step into that time? I want you to consider this principle and these commitments that we've walked through, this principle that God is involved. Would it be that he's calling us to live out our calling in a very specific way amidst this difficulty? Is he calling us to impact our city is he calling us to seek the Lord? I heard a, a pastor, an author recently say this. He said, spiritual formation is habit formation. So what kind of, you know, and I know uh, New Year's resolutions get such a bad rap and, and for some reasonable reasons, but, but what kind of habits can you put into your life as we cross into this new year that are habits that will help you be reminded that God is involved, that we are to live out our calling, that we are to impact our city, and that we are to seek the Lord? What habits can we put in our life that help us get some traction in that direction? I want to close by putting a few questions up for you to consider and just have a brief conversation with the Lord for a minute or so. As you have that conversation with the Lord, they'll, um, the worship team will come up and eventually they'll lead us in a song of response. But first, just take a moment to have this conversation with the Lord and ask, talk to the Lord about some of these questions on the screen.